Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Consistently Inconsistent podcast where we talk all things ADHD as well as mental health as a whole. I'm your host Cody Lukens and today we are joined by Lena Fang who has a degree in materials engineering and after a few years of working in the industry realized that she was feeling called to something else. So she became a licensed therapist who works with neurodivergent clients. Lena, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And of you course. are so official. I love it. <laughs> I try. I, so I put on my, my radio announcer voice, uh, at least for the intro. And then throughout that, I kind of just do my normal voice, I suppose. It's perfect. It's great. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Lena, you're both ADHD and autistic, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you were also, I believe, diagnosed as an adult? Yeah, I got diagnosed at 28. So it's just been about two years now since my diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. What were some of the things that led you into looking into that as a 26 year old? I mean, you've made, you'd lived your life from zero to 26 uh, somehow. And then what, what was that trigger that made you look into it more? I would say it was more of a progression. Um, I think it's, it's like a, a lifetime of just feeling like something is wrong or something is off and then keep. I kept trying to pursue some sort of diagnosis or find some sort of answer for why I felt so different and why my experience was so different than other people's. So I I think a lot of neurodivergent or ADHD people can relate to this, that um, you get diagnosed with things like anxiety, um, depression at some point. And for me, I almost got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well. So it's just like a process of ongoing diagnosis that didn't really feel like it fit my experience and then um how did I I think it was social media I think it was like watching other people's content uh autistic people's content in particular where I was just like wow this is a light bulb moment I had no idea that other people experienced things in the same way that I did at Uh all like I felt like a weird alien for the majority of my life. And for the first time, I was just like, there's another human being who actually uh, relates to the things that I experience. And I think that was the, that was when I seriously started thinking about it because before I had considered it almost as a, like in passing, like this could be a possibility. But when I started hearing about other people's experiences, I'm like, this has to be explored further. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's definitely been a common theme in people that I've spoken to who are diagnosed either as adults or in perhaps their late teens is that feeling of, oh, I'm not broken. I'm not alone. There are other people that have these same shared experiences. Uh-huh. Um, and earlier you mentioned a term ADHD. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and uh, sort of what it means and what it entails? Uh-huh. For me, it's just because autism and ADHD or like I'm autistic and ADHD is a mouthful so then like ADHD is is uh, a lot faster to say but I first saw it used by other autistic ADHD creators and I was like this is perfect this is um, kind of captures the nuances I feel like of being both because it's like when you're both I feel like you experience the world differently than if you were one or the other uh and so I just adopted the term, and the majority of my content now includes both diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I take most of my content with that as well, um, as I found that, you know, specifically, I, I feel as if I relate a lot more to ADHD than to autism, but there are, you know, those autistic traits that sort of uh, bleed through regardless. And so I find that the, you know, ADHD tag reflects my experience a lot more closely than using the tags individually. Um, whole... And sort of speaking of the sort of combination of the two, the statistics surrounding that are really interesting and in that current scientific literature states that as high as 50 to 70% of people who fit the criteria for autism spectrum disorder, ASD, also fit the criteria for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. So that's 50 to 70%. And mm -hmm. 20 to 50% of people diagnosed with ADHD also fit the criteria for ASD. That is a mm -hmm. crazy correlation. I, I didn't know that until... Um, well after I'd been diagnosed, but then I was looking and thinking, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And then also other co comorbidities such as anxiety, depression, um, OCD and others as well are significantly higher with either of those disorders compared to the general population's fascinating stuff. Yeah. The co-occurrence is like, it can't really be ignored. And I think a lot of people's journeys, when they find out that they're one, um, eventually start looking into the other and end up in a place like similar to where I am now. And it sounds like for you that you are perhaps relating to some of the autistic experience too. And so I have a question for you. Of course. And it's that, are you like, are you looking into that as a possibility for yourself that you might be ADHD? Oh, most definitely. Um, so I, okay, this is, I'm going to make it clear that my therapist did not say this in an official capacity. She's like, I'm not writing this in any reports. This is yeah. just me talking to you. Uh, yeah. I was speaking to her a while ago now about whether or not it'd be worth me looking into an official, you know, autism assessment. And yeah. uh, she told me that I get, uh, okay, I'm going to switch perspective. So that's going to be me talking as her now, just for the sake of the story. Okay. She said, you get all of your accommodation needs met with your ADHD diagnosis and, uh, sometimes with autism diagnoses there can be unintended or unexpected side effects in terms of uh there can be issues where if you're applying for loans or other medical related things i don't remember exactly what she said but um she said if you feel comfortable just identifying with that based on all the research you've done personally i think that it fits you that's not me diagnosing you but i think that it fits okay. and so okay. since then i've just sort of come to the real realization of it doesn't for me really matter the label of it getting the official diagnosis because she's right I get everything I need through my ADHD one and it's enough for me to know that yeah I think it fits and there are other people that uh, think that as well for example a lot of people when I said like oh yeah you know I'm ADHD and autistic they're like yeah we we know <laughs> it's pretty clear yeah. um for you, yeah. did you get diagnosed with one and then begin looking into the other? Or was it kind of a, like, you hit both right at the same time? It was autism first for me. It was um, uh, self-diagnosing. So, like, doing a whole bunch of research into autism and what it is and how it manifests in uh, different people. And then eventually... The, the assessment process I went through assesses for both autism and ADHD. And by the time I got my diagnosis or like what went through the assessment process, I was pretty sure that I was ADHD too, but that came after autism. 
Um, so for a while, I had attributed a lot of like the the traits I had to autism, but in fact, I think now it's actually ADHD. It's been kind of a journey in differentiating between like what is what and like what is am I experiencing autistic inertia or is it executive dysfunction? Um, and in my research, I'm like seeing that autistic inertia is like a subcategory or yeah, like underneath executive dysfunction. Uh, so it's like a lot of it is it takes navigating and like really understanding where it comes from to know what is what. But yeah, autism first, then ADHD. It's such an interesting Venn diagram. Um, in fact, I have a Venn diagram saved somewhere. I'll try to pull it up uh, sometime later in this episode. But it's uh-huh. a Venn diagram between ADHD, autism, and OCD with sort of common traits that they all share as well as traits that they have just sort of individually. Um, okay. And I, I didn't have a good segue off of that. I just wanted to say it so I could remind myself to look for it. Uh, yeah. My assessment for ADHD was also a dual assessment with ADHD and autism. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, the um, assessor, I don't I don't know what the correct noun for that is, but um, told me that I was ADHD, but she did not believe I was autistic. She believed that the sort of autistic traits that I were describing, that I was describing, um, were not autistic traits, but were instead manifestations of untreated ADHD, anxiety, depression, and OCD. Since then, uh-huh. those uh, conditions have been treated for years, yet still those uh, autistic traits, in quotes, persist. Um, uh-huh. And so that's another reason why I'm thinking, yeah, okay, maybe maybe another assessment would be good for me, but it's also several thousand dollars, so I don't think I can entirely yeah. justify it simply for peace of mind. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what you mentioned about your therapist saying, um, also really good job for like looking out for your therapist that they did not officially say anything mm-hmm. about you she's awesome i do not want to get her in any trouble yeah yeah um yeah there are some risks and cons that come with a official autism diagnosis for sure so that's something to be aware of and as a therapist that's something i always talk to my clients about if they're thinking about a formal diagnosis in autism definitely some things to be aware of and if you are feeling like your needs are being met with your ADHD diagnosis, then that's great. Well, thank you. Um, so you, do you work exclusively with neurodivergent clients? Like, is that just sort of what you've made your specialty in? Or do you just find that the majority of your clients that gravitate towards you are neurodivergent? The latter, I think. I think uh, my interest, my special interest essentially is neurodiver- neurodiversity. Uh, and I would say 90 8% of my clients and clients who inquire are neurodivergent of some sort. And um, I know that the the term itself is still relatively new. I don't think it was actually coined. Actually, I'm not even going to bother saying that because I don't think that stat is right. But I think the term of neurodivergent itself is still pretty new to you. And I guess in your lived experiences slash professional opinion, what conditions generally fall fall under that umbrella yeah that's uh that's a like debated um, it is it's hotly debated i feel like yeah and if you if you google like google images neurodiversity it's an umbrella with a whole bunch of different uh diagnosis under it right and 
I feel like the easiest way I can explain this is that anyone who is not neuroconforming is therefore neurodivergent. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it because I feel like uh, listing off diagnosis to put under the neurodiversity umbrella, I don't feel okay like doing that. So anything that is not neuroconforming, I feel like probably belongs under the neurodiversity umbrella. Yeah, that's a great answer. And it, it anyway. nicely highlights the fact that, uh, you know, all of this is just such a spectrum. Even the broad overarching labels are a spectrum. Um, okay. And I guess speaking of spectrums, what are some of the differences between ADHD and autism you see in your life? Like you mentioned the autistic inertia versus executive dysfunction. Uh, have, have you sort of gone through and figured out like, okay, this thing that I do, I believe is because of this, this thing that I do is because of this, this causes this, et cetera. Or is it more sort of broadly looking at the overarching picture of how they both broadly uh -huh. manifest in your life? Uh -huh. That's a really good question. I think I should do that. Like sit down and try and figure it out. Uh, at this point, I have kind of a general idea of how it impacts me and the easiest way to describe it is that anything to do with social nuances relationships interactions and conventions uh, i would say a lot of my struggles in life are because i'm autistic and then adhd i feel like manifests in my life as more so a daily uh daily struggle issues like getting things done like planning managing my time and focusing attention uh that is more so adhd and i would say my sensory issues are also related to autism so it's like and it really depends on a person's profile too like if you've ever seen the the spectrum like pie chart diagram of like different traits for autism and ADHD, you can have higher or lower characteristics of all of these different traits. So for for me, my profile, are you looking at ARC right now? I am just because I want to be able to list off the tabs. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just okay. wanted to be able to say them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the doctor, like something, labs. Those are the words that come to mind. I think it's IDR Labs. That sounds familiar to me. IDR Labs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, I did not mean to cut you off there. My keyboard no is worries. really loud, so it gets picked up immediately whenever I start typing. I really should get a different keyboard for when I'm recording these episodes. All good. I have a mechanical keyboard, so I can definitely relate on the loudness. I do as well. It's much more satisfying to type on, I find, than a, I guess, standard keyboard. I don't know the term for it, but standard, I guess, fits. It's like an ongoing stim. Yes, it's so nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose speaking of stims, what are some of your favorite stims and have you had issues with harmful stims before? That's a great question. I, my favorite stims, one of my favorite stims that I just discovered recently is bouncing up and down on my toes. Ah. Um, when I was looking into like the traits and like behaviors of autistic people 
one of them was like toe walking and when I read that I'm like oh there's that's not something I do I've never done that before in my life um but I I definitely that's something I definitely do and so bouncing up and down on my toes feels super calming and satisfying I've been trying to allow myself to do that more especially like to music or just standing around talking to someone letting myself do that and not prevent that from happening and and this is one of my new favorite stim toys because we're talking a little about mechanical keyboard yes single key wow and it lights up <laughs> it's great <laughs> um, that's really fun for In the people of... that are not watching and just listening, she's holding up a little uh, just single key of a keyboard that you can press and it lights up. It looks really fun. Okay. Yeah, so oh. harmful stems. Yes. Um, I do. I do. It's getting better, but it's picking at like my fingers, like cuticles and skin and nails. So that's been an ongoing thing throughout my life and I think it has to do with the fact that I've suppressed a lot of stims in my life too so some of the larger stims such as bouncing up and down or like rocking or as you can see in our um, talk I'm sometimes like swaying back and forth in my chair so these things are things I didn't like want to do before because I'm like that's not socially acceptable people are going to think blah 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 and so doing this and like picking at your fingers is more so of a hidden thing and then other people can't really see it and hide it and put your hands in your pocket and do that so that just became like uh one like not not a healthy one because it's kind of destructive and yeah not great i have a similar issue in that i uh ever since i was born have always just picked my nails using say like my thumbnail to pick off all of the other ones down to the nub um, and I know it's harmful, but I, it's just so habitual at this point. Um, you mentioned that you've begun sort of healing from that, distancing yourself from it. What are some of the things or the strategies you've employed to try to make that happen? I would say I've tried to let myself try stims, like the most common stims out there, such as like rocking in your chair or for me, bouncing on my toes. Um, these are things I discovered through actively trying it. Uh, and then and then once I start doing something, kind of noticing if I have this urge to be like, oh, like, no, I shouldn't. And then when I notice that, allowing myself, telling myself it's actually safe. Like, it's a safe <laughs> place to do that. Um, I will not get in trouble for doing this. I'm an adult now with, um, people around me who hopefully understand and it's okay. So it's a mental transition. It's both a mental transition and a process of letting myself know actively when it's happening that it's okay to do. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that have had an experience similar to what I'm about to describe. And I'm really curious if you have as well, given that the talk that you've been saying about uh, mentally transitioning to realizing that it's something it's that's okay uh for you to do when i was in middle school i think seventh grade i brought a little fidget cube or something to, i don't remember what it was it was something to school and uh the girl that was sitting next to me said why are you doing that that's weird 
And I did not bring, I did not touch a stim toy for years after that. I didn't stop bringing him to school. I didn't even use him at home because I was thinking, oh, this is so weird. This is so different. I, I need to condition this out of myself. And it yeah. took me a long time. I think, I don't think it was actually until after I was diagnosed um, to where I started letting myself visibly stim like that again. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a core memory, like a formative memory that changed something for yeah. you. It unfortunately yeah. was for a very long time. I'm still trying to get past that in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can definitely relate to that. I can't think of anything like an experience off the top of my head that's that clear for me. But um, it's one of those things where on this like unmasking journey, there are moments where I realize like when I'm preventing myself from doing something or are in a state of being self-critical, I'm like, wow, I internalized this belief at this point in my life. Like, this is where it came from. So it's like almost this process of like going back in time and unraveling all these like moments that you internalize and came to believe that something is not okay or something's wrong with you. Um, it's it's like pretty, it's a pretty intense process. It is. Yeah. In your therapy, do you do CBT at all? I did a little bit of that uh, last year, I believe, and it did help with sort of untangling that web of interconnected uh, lies I was telling myself about who I was and whether or not behaviors were acceptable. Do you, do you practice that with your clients as well? So I tend not to practice CBT. Uh, I personally feel like CBT, where depending on the person's lived experience, it can be somewhat invalidating. Uh, and it's something I felt when I was in therapy too, before I found a good therapist student for me, that uh, CBT, it, it it felt like it was kind of invalidating. So, Interesting. Yeah. And I tend to gravitate towards more so like person-centered. Um, I do parts work. Um, if you Have you heard of internal family systems before? I have not, but I'd love to hear more about it. Internal family system is something like, I work with, it falls under parts work. It's kind of recognizing that we all have parts within ourselves that were born or created at a certain point in time to do a certain job to keep us safe, to keep us secure. And that the tactics that these parts that are trying to protect us may not be the most healthy at this point in time. Uh. Like at one point in time, it did its job like it was um it kept us safe from something but now as we are like grown adults with more emotional intelligence uh tools for self-regulation that those same tactics and coping mechanisms might not be the best anymore uh, and the work in internal family systems is more so to like integrate these parts create some dialogue between these parts so that uh you can find better and healthier and more up-to-date coping mechanisms to keep you secure and safe. So what does a session of that look like with one of your clients? No, no specific examples, obviously, but just generally if someone listening to this is looking for a place to start, uh, maybe like with the therapist or, or without their therapist, just if they're interested in looking into this further. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, sorry. I think I, I trailed off there. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but uh, my meds have almost entirely worn off at this point. I uh -huh. 
it's that time of the day. Okay. Um, I believe my question was, can you elaborate a little further on that point in terms of how does one of those sessions look? What kind of questions do you ask your, um, your clients? And uh, what does that process look like? And is it something that someone can do on their own or do they need to be working with a therapist who is trained in that system? Uh, a regular, like a IFS, internal family system session, can, it's usually across several sessions because there's a lot to uncover with the parts within ourselves. Um, but one session can look like asking a client to um, to recognize or pay attention to a certain part within, within themselves and ask questions like, how do you feel towards this certain part that exists to protect you? Um, are you curious about this part? Are you open to creating a relationship with this part? What are the things that you would say to this part and vice versa? Um, and the idea is to like recognize the roles and like even show appreciation for all of these parts within ourselves so that they're not working against each other and more so working together. So it's a lot of question to do with feelings about parts and asking the parts to have some sort of interaction with one another um, in this way that you can gain deeper understanding of these things within you. I think I actually have done something similar to that without knowing the name. Uh, well, I remember being asked to sort of talk to my ADHD in a way and try to yeah. form a bit of an agreement, which I thought was pretty funny uh, in terms of, I guess, working with ADHD as opposed to working against it. So accepting right. that I might not be able to sit down and work on the same task for two hours. I'm going to take more frequent breaks or work when I'm standing or pacing or just do <laughs> various other things in work to make it a bit more ADHD friendly as opposed uh -huh. to trying to do things the the neurotypical way and conforming to those standards because I feel like that's what I should be doing. Um, okay. I guess speaking of that, have you noticed that uh, you've had clients come in that have been disillusioned by a lot of traditional motivational speakers and that kind of thing of oh, get up, get up early, eat the frog, work hard, push through it, that kind of thing. For sure. I think that's a huge point of shame within clients that I've seen when they come into first come into therapy. Um, there's a lot of like traditional ideas of productivity, traditional ideas surrounding rest, aka rest is not like productive or something um so a lot of work has to go into dispelling and dismantling some of those internalized beliefs around productivity and things like um discipline consistency habit building uh and and more so work on or being okay with leaning into something like impulsivity or leaning into hyperfocus leaning into having a weird working schedule or uh, following following your own rhythm of motivation. I think there's this idea, this very strong idea that our days have to look a certain way, have to be blocked in a certain way, and we have to work during the times where the majority of the other people in the world are working. And if you don't do that, then you're failing at something. 
Uh, and yeah, a lot of our work is like leaning away from that. Yeah. Um, once again, the meds thing, I had a response that I was going to say, and it just slipped off the tip of my tongue. I glanced okay. over, I guess this sort of leans into the impulsivity thing you're talking about. Uh -huh. I looked over to the other half of my screen and I saw that I did pull up the uh, sort of autism graph we were talking about earlier. This is uh -huh. from IDR Labs. I have no idea how reputable they are, so I take no responsibility for the results of this graph. But think of it as two concentric circles. One is on the outside, one is on the inside. The inside is sort of where you are. The outside is a list of labels um, at different points on the circle. So you're moving either you're closer to that label or further away from it. And the labels are fixations, abnormally flat speech, noise sensitivity, social difficulty, anxiety, abnormal posture, poor eye contact, ticks and fidgets, aggression, and depression. Um, That's for autism, so, right? Yes. Some of those, the, the phrasing of them, I find a little interesting, such as poor eye contact. I think that's a matter of perspective. I think the poor eye contact is consistent eye contact personally, because I don't much enjoy that. But um, I guess I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, like the pathologizing nature of some of the labels. I definitely okay. agree. Well, um, if anyone knows of any fantastic or at least somewhat good online autism, uh, not official assessments, but little fun graph things, uh, send, send them my way. I'm always looking for cool stuff like that to put in my link tree or just show people if they have questions about it. Um, Lena, I think that's, that about wraps up our time. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we go to the outro? No, no. It's been a great discussion. All right. Uh, once again, thank you so much for being here. And Lena, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at ndwellness.official and on TikTok at ndwellness. Wonderful. Well, Lena, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on and have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thanks for having me.